I kind of thought that we were done with this series a few weeks ago, and um, as I was just praying about what to do, I was like, wow, I feel like there's maybe something that we missed out on. And so I really felt like God wanted us to continue to talk about living for this greater glory. And so I'm going to kind of explain what that looks like here. But if you've been around for the last few weeks, then you know that sort of as a part of this whole greater glory series, we've been talking about this battle that takes place in our lives. And there's been a battle taking place between me and my eight-year-old son Landon the last several weeks. He's been coming out with all these incredibly quick, slick one-liners and I need some help with comebacks because this kid's blowing me away. So a few weeks ago, I started this terrible trend. You guys ever buy those red package Chips Ahoy soft, chewy cookies that definitely are laced with an addictive chemical because I can't stop eating them? And so I've been buying these, these things and eating them up and eating them up. And um, a few weeks ago, I said to my family, I have to stop buying these or I'm going to keep getting fatter. And Landon looks at me and he goes, Dad, you're not fat. You're just thick. And I was like, oh, man, dang, man. So that was, that was one of them. And then just this past week, I'm helping him with homework, and we're sitting on the couch, and I'm looking at him, and he's doing his work, and I'm like, I'm like just thinking to myself, this kid's so cute. And so I said to him, Landon, you are so cute. How did you get so cute? Now, the normal response in the Jansen household for when that question is asked over the years has been, God made me that way. That's always sort of the response that comes back. But this was not Landon's response this time. So I said, Landon, how did you get so cute? He said, because there's none of you in me. Yeah, yeah. So anybody got a one-liner comeback? Help me out here, right? So I'm in quite a battle with my eight-year-old, you know? It's been a little bit rough. And uh, what's interesting is, is, as we've been looking at this series, we've been talking about a battle that we're in every single day of our life, every moment of every day, and it's this battle to either do things our way or do things God's way. It's either we're going to live for our glory or we're going to live for God's glory. And so I've been challenging to live for God's glory. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, in week one, we kind of looked at the idea that we're meant to live for a greater glory than our own. Like our little limited glory and the things we can get excited about, it's just too small. We've got to live for something bigger, and that's God's glory. And then last week, maybe you're, or two weeks ago rather, you were kind of thinking throughout the week, well, how do I live for God's glory? What's the best way to do that? And I just encourage you guys that the best way to live for God's glory is to enjoy him. That's the thing he loves most. I mean, when you and I are in a relationship and the other person in that relationship is enjoying us, that probably brings us the greatest level of joy. When they're not just hanging out with us because they have to, but because they love it and they want to and they can't get enough of it. And so I just encourage you to, to be spending time with God and enjoying that time. And here's what I realized is that some of you guys may be left here after the service is like fired up. Like, all right, I'm going to live for God's glory and I'm going to enjoy him. And this is going to be great. And then you tried it. And you started to feel like it wasn't quite working. You were like, okay, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to live for his glory. I'm going to do things his way. And it just sort of felt like you weren't able to do it. And then maybe you felt like, all right, I'm going to enjoy him. I'm going to enjoy him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself enjoy God if I have to. And at the end of the day, you sort of felt like, man, I'm finding myself drawn toward other things. I'm finding myself enjoying other things besides God. And so I kind of felt like today maybe we should talk about this struggle that we have because I think we all have it. There, there's something in every single one of us that is really battling to live for God's glory and to enjoy God fully. And I think that there's a couple reasons why. I think one reason why is because we have some will issues in our lives. And I think the other reason is we have some action issues in our lives, okay? So what does this all look like? Well, there are will issues in our lives. That means that sometimes we don't want God like we should want God, right? 
Like there are times in all of our lives where we feel really close to God and we just want him so much. Maybe you're there tonight. That's incredible. And you just, you, you didn't want the worship to end. You just wanted to worship the rest of the night. And, and man, you just, you can't spend enough time in the Bible. You can't spend enough time praying. But then there's others of, others of us in the room who are like, man, I wish I felt like that, but I don't. I don't want God like that. So what we normally do then is we end up wanting other things more than God. And sometimes it's good things and sometimes it's bad things, right? So let's talk about the good things. Some of us, we want just some good stuff in our life, some of the blessings God's given us more than we want God. If we're being honest and we're being real, which we should be, then that's what happens, okay? And so maybe we're going, man, I want this relationship more than I want God. And maybe it's a good, healthy relationship, but we just want it more than God. Or maybe we'd say, man, I want... I want to uh, be able to figure out what my future is all about. More than God, I'm going to spend all my time and energy and passion on that. And we found it really hard to, to push that aside and live for God's glory. Maybe some of us in the room, you know, kids, grandkids, friends, uh, jobs, trying to work through school stuff, all that. Maybe video games for some of the, the younger kids and the big kids in the room who love doing that. Um, social media, sometimes it's like we're just so much more drawn in by that than we are by God, you know? You ever feel like on Facebook, Two hours feels like two minutes, but then you open your Bible and two minutes feels like two hours, right? Don't you hate that? Don't you want that to change, right? I'm just going to give you some advice in it because I love you all. When you're on Facebook, don't ever click on a monkey video because you will waste the rest of your night because one starts playing and then another one starts auto-playing. It's like, it's midnight? What? You know? Who's not entertained by monkeys? It's a trap. I'm just telling you right now because I love you, all right? But how, 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 how much does that stink that that is what captures our hearts instead of God? How, how much does it stink that sometimes we're so stuck in those things and, and it seems like those things are so enjoyable, but prayer, reading our Bibles, spending time with other Christians, going to community groups, serving on a team, coming here on Sundays, it, sometimes it almost feels like a chore or a job or like it's our duty. Don't you want that to change? Well, why is all that true of us? It's true of us because we have will issues sometimes, right? We don't want God like we should want God. And tonight we're going to talk about what to do when that's true of us. The other thing that I think we do in this whole struggle with the want issues and the will issues is not just wanting the good things instead of God, but sometimes it's unfortunately it's the bad things too, right? And so we know God doesn't want a certain relationship for us, but it's like, God, but that's what I want, that's what I want, so I'm going to stay in it. And let me just remind you, anytime God tells us don't go into that relationship or don't do this or don't do that, it's to protect and preserve us, right? But when our hearts are bending toward this relationship and God is saying no, we go, I could live for you or I could live for this relationship. And right now, what my heart is wanting is this relationship. Or instead of going to God and bringing the hurts in our heart and finding healing from him, it's like, God, I could do that. That kind of seems like a lot of work. So instead, I'm just going to numb out with a drug or a drink or an entertainment thing. And I'm going to hope and pray that maybe someday I actually want you like I should. And so sometimes we choose the good things over God. And there's something wrong with the will inside of us. And sometimes we choose the bad things over God. But either way, there's something off there. And I think tonight we're going to find the answer of what to do when that's true of us. Because I think that's true of all of us, all of us at some point or another. And I just want to remind you of something that I've shared with you in the past. When we choose those good things over God, then we're just getting things out of order. Because as I've shared with you in the past, God isn't the treasurer. He's the treasure, right? A treasurer is someone who gathers all the treasure and takes care of it and manages it, right? 
But God doesn't want to be that. I mean, he does take care of our stuff, and he's happy to provide for us and care for us and lead us and all that good stuff. He's great at that. But that's not his main role. His main role is in a relationship with us, Savior, Father, Holy Spirit, filling us, indwelling us, right? It's this close relationship, not just like a business arrangement, right? So I just want to remind you tonight that God is that treasure. Now, some of us are saying, but Doug, how do I get my heart there? How do I get my heart to feel that way? Well, that's what we're going to look at here tonight. So we got the will issues, but we also have the action issues, right? The action issues are when you and I honestly want to live for God's glory. We honestly want to do the right thing. We honestly want to enjoy him. But then our actions mess that up, okay? Give you an example. So we get down on our hands and knees, get out of bed, down on our hands and knees, first thing in the morning, praying, God, help me today to honor you and glorify you. Help me, God. And we walk into our school or our office building, and our friend pulls us into into his little cubicle there and says, hey, check out these images I found on the, screen, on, on the internet over this weekend, man. This is some wild stuff. And before we know it, we're sitting there looking at things we should not be looking at. And we walk out of that office or that, that classroom or that dorm room going, I hate myself. Why did I just do that? That's what I got on my hands and knees this morning and prayed I wouldn't do. And then I went and did it. Well, what is that? It's an action issue. God, I really want you, but my actions don't follow through. Or it's driving to our friend's house, and it's like, okay, God, every time I get together with this set of friends, we end up ripping apart somebody who's not in the room. We gossip. We just rip them to shreds. God, today, I don't want to do that. Help me. And, and, and our want is right. Our will is right in that moment. But then we get there, and before we know it, we're, we're jumping right in, just ripping everybody apart again. And we walk away going, man, I did it again. That action issue keeps creeping up. And so we have these will and these action issues. What do we do about this stuff? Well, that's what I want to look at here tonight. And the interesting thing is, is none of us, I don't think in this room here, want any of this stuff in our heart, right? I mean, you're in church on a Sunday night. There's something about God that's intriguing to you, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not. There's something in you that is wondering if God is worth more than anything else. There's some, some of you guys are, who are absolutely convinced God's worth more than anything else, and living for this greater glory is the best thing for you, right? Like, none of us are walking around bragging, going, man, you know what the greatest part of my life is right now? I want nothing to do with God. I'm so happy about that, right? None of us are doing that. None of us are saying, you know what's awesome? Every morning I get on my hands and knees and pray before school or work that I won't go look at things I shouldn't or talk about people in a way I shouldn't, but then I do anyway. It's great. None of us do that, right? We all hate these parts of us. We all hate that we don't want God like we should want God. We all hate that our actions fall short. And so what do we do? What is the answer to all of this? And so we're going to look at what happens when we kind of feel trapped by our will and our emotions. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we love that you're in the room tonight. You're welcome here. And, and I, I, I just want to say a couple things to you as we work through this. I, I just want you to know up front that when I talk about obeying God or living for God or any of these things, that we don't do those things so that we earn salvation from God. And we're going to see this in our passage tonight. We do those things because we already have salvation from God, okay? And we're going to see that clearly. And the other thing I want you to see is as I talk about honoring God, obeying God, living for God, now it's right that we do those things because he's God, but also he has a good purpose for telling us to do what he tells us to do, right? He's not that domineering dad who just tells you, do it because that's the way I want you to do it, even though it makes no sense and it will benefit no one, right? He's not that dad. 
No, he's the dad that says, do this. Yeah, because I'm God, and I get to kind of tell you that, but also because I love you so much, I want the best for you. So this is not a waste of time to follow God's way. It's actually the best thing for us, and we're going to see that clearly tonight. So we're going to look at Philippians 2, and then we're going to jump to the Old Testament for a minute and see something really cool toward the end. But in Philippians 2, Paul was writing a letter to the church in Philippi, and Paul was actually the guy who started this church. So imagine uh, Pastor Bravone, who started our church 40 years ago, uh, wrote us a letter. And Paul's actually in prison when he wrote this letter. So imagine Pastor Bravone wrote a letter, and I got it in the mail, and I opened it up and said, Hey guys, Pastor Bravone's in jail, and he's not really in jail, by the way, guys. What happened to Pastor? Uh, No, um, but Paul was in jail, okay? And so, yeah, Pastor Bravone's a shady dude. No, I'm just kidding. He's my father-in-law. I'm actually sleeping at his house tonight, so I've got to be careful, because I'm driving to the city early, and he's taking us. He's a great guy. Awesome guy. Love that guy. Anyway, so Paul, though, was in jail, and Paul wrote this letter to the church. And so just imagine, we're all gathered, and the pastor of the church grabs the letter and says, hey, check out what Paul wrote, and this is what we have here. Paul writes this in Philippians 2.12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Now let's just kind of pause there for a minute. Paul is saying, hey, I know you Philippians. I started the church. I know you. He's, he's writing this. He's picturing their faces, just like I could picture your faces if I was writing you guys a letter. And so he's going, I know the heart for obedience that you have, and I know that I've even heard, even though I'm not with you anymore, you're still obeying God. Now, some of you tonight might say, but Doug, this is the problem. Paul wouldn't write that letter to me. Paul wouldn't say I have an obedient heart. Well, we're going to see something in a few minutes that's the key to that obedience. But Paul starts out by encouraging them. And then he says this, confusing verse in two ways. We're going to talk about it. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay? Now, the fear and trembling part might confuse us a little bit, right? It might kind of make us feel like, am I supposed to be afraid of God? Am I supposed to be fearful that I'm not saved? Like, how does this all work? Well, I think what Paul is saying here is not that we should be afraid of God, but that we should greatly revere God. We should be in awe of God. And also, that our salvation should be a really important top priority to us. Like, in other words, your salvation's a big deal. Don't mess with it. Like, don't mess around with this. Like, this whole, like, following through in your relationship with God, being close to God, obeying God, this is really, really important. So don't ignore it, okay? And so Paul is kind of just getting that out of the way, I think, and helping set the scene. Like, hey, what I'm about to say is is a big deal. So don't, don't, don't just kind of shake it off, all right? And the other objection I think we have is this idea of, working out our salvation, right? That could be a little confusing because I said earlier that we don't earn our, our salvation from God, right? It's a gift to us. Like we celebrated communion tonight. And you know what? When I was praying, I didn't say, God, thank you so much that we're all such good people that made such uh, an impression on you that you decided to save us because of all of our good works. No, that's not how it works. It works because we are all so sinful and we're all such a mess, but God chose to save us anyway. That's salvation. But what's with the working out our salvation? Well, think about this. There's a difference between working for your salvation and working out your salvation. Give you an example from a relationship. So Kelly and I have been married for almost 17 years, right? And I did not work her into marrying me. I tricked her into marrying me. That's that's basically what happened, okay? She woke up on the stage, said I do, and then cried the whole honeymoon. What I do, you know? No, I'm kidding. So so I gave her my love, she gave her, she gave me her love, right? And In that relationship now, that gift relationship of love, now we're working out our relationship. What does that mean? It simply means we're putting energy into it so that we don't just become two people who coexist in a home. 
We, we put energy into the relationship, and we work out the relationship, and we work on the relationship. Not we, we don't work for it, we work it out. And the same is true of you and God. God wants this relationship with you. And here, remember, Paul's saying, with fear and trembling, in other words, with incredible importance and high priority, work on this relationship with God. Put the energy in to this relationship with God. With real passion, work on this relationship with God. And so Paul's saying, it's important, it's a gift, it's a relationship, work on it. But then we get to our clincher verse and all this, right? Okay, great, so I should work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I have to remember that obeying is important. But man, what about my will issues? I don't want to obey. I don't want to enjoy God. I don't want to do things his way. What about my action issues? I want to obey, but I keep messing that up. What do I do? Well, look at the next part in verse 13. Paul says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There's our two words, will and act. You and I have will issues and we have action issues. And Paul just told us that it's God who works in me if I want to change my will. It's God who works on my actions if they're going to end up fulfilling his good purpose. So let me ask you a question. If it's God who works in me to will, to desire him, to desire to do the right thing, to desire to obey, to desire to live for his glory, then what do I need to do when I'm struggling with that? I better be as close to him as I can be because it's him who's going to work on this will that doesn't want him. What about my action issues? Well, it's him who's going to work on the actions in my life that are falling short. It's always him. He's always, always the answer. So if I'm having an issue with my will, here's what we need to do. We need to have an honest conversation with God. We need to bring this will struggle and say, God, if I'm honest, I would rather be entertained than spend time with you. Change that. God, if I'm honest, I would rather hang out with my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my kids. Or God, change that. God, if I'm honest, I'm more passionate about my job or my schooling or my education or my car or my phone or my stuff or Instagram. God, I'm more passionate about that. I enjoy it more. I love it more. And I hate that. God, work on my will. It's you who works on my will. So work on this will so it acts in accordance to your good pleasure. You see that he's the answer in this? then what do we do with our action issues? Again, it's a conversation with God. It's God, you know I, I drive and I pray that I won't end up gossiping, but I fall short. God, you know that I get on my hands and knees and pray I won't look at things on that screen I shouldn't, but man, I fall short. God, would you work on those action issues? God, you know I'd rather take the drink or the drug and numb out than actually deal with the pain in my heart and let you heal it. God, change that about me. And now we're in a conversation with someone who can do something about it, right? And you know what? When we fall short, there's grace. You are always met with grace. Can I just remind you of that? Like if you have really messed up lately and you came in here tonight and somebody dragged you here or you just feel terrible about it, you're met with grace. You're met with a God who says, I I don't like that you did that. One, because it's against me, God, who's holy and pure, and, and it cost my son's life to pay for that sin. But, but two, because I love you so much, and that is a poison for you. Okay? But now can I, can I forgive you and empower you and work in you to will and to act according to my good purpose? 
So whether it's a will or an action issue, the answer is closeness to God. The answer is that nearness to God, right? It's Him. See, we've gotten this verse confused. For our whole lives, a lot of us have thought this verse read, for it is me who works in me to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose, right? I just got to try harder. It's me who works in me. It's me who changes my will. My will doesn't want God. I got to figure out how to fix that. My actions don't line up. I got to figure out how to fix that. No, but it's, it's God who works in me. It's God who works in you in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so hear me on this. The answer is not try harder. It's get closer. The answer is not try harder to fix yourself. It's get closer to a person, God, who can do the fixing. Now, this doesn't mean we don't use self-control and things like that and we just drop our standards, but here's the beauty of it. Where does self-control come from? The Holy Spirit, right? So the closer I am to God, the more the Holy Spirit is filling me with self-control, right? And so I'm not saying, ah, just go do what you want. No, that's, that's not acting according to his good purpose, right? It's just learning instead of trying to fix myself, wow, I got to be near God who can actually transform my heart. Now some of you guys might have sort of an objection in all this and you're looking at the screen going, but why do this? It seems like a lot of work. It seems hard. It seems difficult. Why should I live God's way? Why live for God's glory? Well, because of the last three words, his good purpose. You see, every time you and I choose our own way, our own glory, we miss out on his good purpose. We miss out on what he had for us. So some of you tonight might be just wrapped up in an addiction. And it might be the most difficult thing in the whole world for you to overcome this addiction. But let's say you get close to God and he works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And six months from now, you look back and say, this was so worth it. I found God's good purpose in all this. It was hard. It was terrible at times. It hurt so much. It felt like I would die. But I found his good purpose. Some of you guys hanging on to some anger or unforgiveness, saying, I don't want to let that go. I want to just hang on to that. That's what I want. I know God doesn't want that. I know it's poison for my soul, but that's what I want. And God's saying, no, just trust me. Even though it might be so difficult, if you will get close to me and allow me to work in you, to will and to act according to my good purpose, you're going to find that good purpose is true. Think back to my senior year in college. I didn't have a great college experience. I just didn't mesh well with the friends there, and I just, I just wanted to be home. And uh, I was like a super senioritis person there. My senior year, I was, I was just like, I don't want to be learning about being a pastor. I want to be a pastor. Oh, yeah, what a humble heart, you know? And so I was all like, just like, get me out of here. And so I remember calling my mom and dad in like September of my senior year of college and, and just saying, I just want to come home. I, I just think I'm done with this, you know? And, and I remember them saying, well, let, let us pray about it. My parents were godly people, and, and, you know, so I knew that they were going to really seek God. And so they called me back a few days later, and they said, Doug, we really feel like you're supposed to stick it out at college. We feel like you're supposed to stay there. That's what God wants you to do in this situation. And that really wasn't the answer that I wanted to hear. And so I said back to them, well, I'm cute because I have, you have none of you in me. So I, no, I'm just kidding. So, so I, that's where Landon got that apparently. <laughs> No, in that moment, I just remember, this is going to stink. Because that was in that stage of my life, and some of you are right there, when 10 months felt like it was your whole life. You know, 10 months, what? You know, and now I look back, and I'm like, I blink, and it's 10 months, goes, you know. Had hair, no hair. It's 10 months, and gone, you know. But in that 10 months, I found God's good purpose. And it was so hard. I remember literally just like being so upset that I had to stay. I felt so stuck. But in those 10 months, it was like, 
Kelly and I connected. I graduated school. I got a job as a youth pastor, and we were married, literally, in those 10 months. And I just, I don't know how all that would have worked out had I decided to just sort of bail on God's good purpose. And so why live for God's glory? Why do this, this his way? Because we always end up at the good purpose when we do. It doesn't mean life's perfect. It's hard sometimes. But in it, we find all those good purposes. And so Paul's helped us see obedience matters. It matters because Jesus loves us, because he died for us. It's not to earn his, his salvation. It's because we have it. And that the key to obedience and the key to these will and action issues is this closeness with God. Then he does all, like I like to say, the heavy lifting in our lives. Now, some of you guys, though, if you're honest, you're still saying, but I just don't want to do it God's way. I don't want the time with him. I don't want to give up the stuff in my life. I don't want to, Doug. Okay, well then, I want to take you to the Old Testament for a minute. We're going to look at one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. And if you've been around for a while, um, you've heard this beautiful prayer. It's very short. Well, it's actually, it's a long prayer. We're just going to look at a short part of it, though. But Solomon prayed this prayer. And Solomon had built the temple, and he brought all the people. nation of Israel was gathered, and they were going to dedicate the temple. And in 1 Kings 8, 58, he prays this beautiful prayer that I think maybe you and I should start to pray. And he says this, May he bend our hearts toward him. We're using the God's Word translation here. We usually use the NIV, but the God's Word just says it so beautifully. Same idea, just I love the phrase. May he bend our hearts toward him. Because our hearts are so easily drawn to other things. I think Solomon knew that. That's why he prayed this. And Solomon spent a lot of his life with his heart bent toward other things. And so Solomon prays this honest prayer. Bend our hearts towards you, God. Please, bend our hearts towards you. I love that Solomon prayed this honest, open prayer. I just wonder if he learned that from his dad. His dad was David, right? And I don't know anybody who prayed more honest prayers than King David. If you read the Psalms, you see someone who's so real with God, so genuine. God, here's why I'm upset. God, how long till this happens? God, what are you doing right now? And I just wonder if Solomon kind of got some of that from his dad and he got before the nation of Israel and prayed, God, bend our hearts towards you. Joey talked last week about how sometimes as the sheep of God, right, We get distracted by the shiny objects and the things in our lives that bend our hearts away almost toward them. And I think Solomon knew that, that his heart could so easily bend away from what God had for him. And so he says, God, bend my heart toward you. What what if you begin to pray that prayer? What if I begin to pray that prayer every day? What if that's a place to just start in all this, saying, God, my heart doesn't want you like I wish it wanted you. And my actions don't line up like I wish they did. So God, bend this heart toward you. I love what Solomon understands here. And this is so cool because we're going to read the the rest of this part of the verse. And what we see here is exactly the same thing that Paul understood. And these guys wrote 750 years apart. But they both understood the same concept. That closeness with Jesus, closeness with God, is all we need to find that obedience. Because look at what it says in the rest of the verse. May he bend our hearts toward him. Then, listen, then, once our hearts are bent toward him, we will follow him and keep his commands, laws, and rules, which he commanded our ancestors to keep. What does Solomon understand? He understands this. Listen, this is so important. As long as our hearts are not bent toward God, we will not obey him. Bottom line. As long as our hearts are bent toward other things, we just will not obey him. But when... 
our hearts are bent toward him, then we'll follow him and keep his commands. And remember, what, the, what are the commands there for? To protect us, to preserve us, to lead us to God, to give us ultimate pleasure and joy in him. And so I love that Solomon understands the link between enjoying God and obeying God, the link between our hearts being bent toward God and obeying him and keeping his commands. He understands, too, that this is a conversation we have to have with God. You don't find Solomon off into like a side room, like going, come on, heart, bend, right? No, he's approaching God, saying, bend my heart, because you're the great heart bender. I can't do this myself. And so here's what I want you to see tonight. It's that closeness with God is the answer to our will and action issues. Closeness with God. That's the answer to these these will issues that we have, these want issues. God, I keep wanting the wrong thing. Well, he's the answer to that want issue. God, I keep struggling with my actions. I keep falling short. Well, that closeness with him, when our hearts are bent toward him, our actions will more and more begin to fall through. We're not going to be perfect ever here on this earth. We're going to fall short, but that's where the grace is. But we we should see change over time, right? We should see that more and more, as these hearts are bent toward God, we're seeing a difference made in our will and action issues. Now, I realize there is a fundamental flaw in my approach tonight, and it's this. Some of you guys are saying, Doug, I'm telling you I don't want to be near God. You're telling me the answer to not wanting to be near God is to be near God, which will then change my desire to be near God. I'm glad we're all on the same page. It's closing prayer. Amen. So Jesus, we, no, just, that's a little problem, right? Well, two thoughts. First of all, what if we just start small with that one prayer? God, bend our hearts towards you. Like if you're here tonight saying, I don't want God. I don't even want to spend time with God so he can fix my desire to want God. I just dare you for a month to daily pray, bend my heart towards you, God. See what happens. The second thought is this. Sometimes we approach God and it almost feels like a job. Like it's a chore or a duty. You know what I mean? But either John Piper or C.S. Lewis or John Piper quoting C.S. Lewis said that eventually our duty becomes our delight. Has that ever happened to you in life where something you started out doing out of a chore, a job, a duty, suddenly it became a delight? I mean, one of the things I can think of is over these last few months being home with Kelly so much, she watches all these shows that I hate, like shows I despise. And then there's this one show that's been on, and I'm like enduring it. Oh, gosh, I'm like turning my back. You know, I don't even want to watch this. And um, I'm not going to tell you which show it is, but um, now I'm like, is that show on yet? <laughs> because what started out as my duty has become my delight. And the same is true with God. Sometimes we approach him, and it's just like, ugh, I'm going to do this. Before we realize, like, wait, how long has it been? How long have I been reading my Bible? How how long have I been praying? I've been on this prayer walk for how many miles? Like, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying being close to God. And this delight, this new, beautiful, found delight brings our heart to life. And so start small. Start, God, bend my heart towards you. And maybe for some of us, it's, no, man, go for it. Go for it every day, even if it feels like a chore for a while, because it will become a delight. Because you can't be near God without your will and your actions being changed to fulfill his good purposes. Some of you guys 
Maybe you've heard of Rick Warren, and uh, he came up with a great illustration I just want to kind of close with. I'm going to kind of tweak it and change the end of it, but, but he starts out the illustration by saying that, imagine you're on a boat, right? And the boat is GPS, auto-programmed to go east. And so you're just on the boat, everybody's having a great time, and, and suddenly you decide you want to go west. And so you go up to the boat, the wheel, the steering wheel, you grab it, and you begin to just turn it. And you're, you're, it's, it's hard, because like I said, this thing's on autopilot to go east, and you're trying to go west now. And so you're turning it, and you're turning it, and you're turning it, and, and you're starting to make progress, right? And, and the whole time, you're kind of like meeting resistance, and it's a little bit frustrating, but you're still, you're, you are changing the direction of the boat. But as soon as you let go of the steering wheel, as soon as you even let in a little bit, that thing's going to start heading east again, right? And you know what I think we need? I, I think we need... Not just to grab the wheel, like many of us have been trying to do our whole lives, and turn the, turn the boat. I'm going to stop feeling this way. I'm going to stop having these will issues. I'm going to stop having these action issues. That's what we've been doing, a lot of us, our whole lives. What we need is we need someone more powerful, someone smarter, someone bigger, that can actually reprogram the autopilot. That we can go west now, because he transforms our heart. He bends our heart the right way. And so some of us, are, we've been, man, we've been trying to bend our hearts so bad. We've been trying to turn that steering wheel so bad. And God is just saying, if you just be near me, I'll do all that. I will reprogram your heart. I will bend your heart. I will reprogram the direction of your life. And I'll turn the ship that you could never turn with all your strength and keep it in the right direction. But that's all built on that closeness with God. And so will you just begin to spend time with him? Or will you continue to spend time with him? And, and will you just be honest? I'm telling you, some of us have like a routine. And that's okay. Routines are all right. Nothing wrong with that. But some of us have a routine and it's like we spend our time with God and we read our Bible and we do our Bible app, which is all good stuff. I love all that. I encourage it. Um, we write our prayers out or we journal or we go on our walks. I'm, I go on a walk and I like that. And, you know, we do our stuff. But I'm telling you, maybe what we need tonight or tomorrow morning is to just sort of like put all that off to the side. And just have an honest conversation with God and say, God, I don't want you like I wish I want you. I I don't want you like I would love to want you. God, here are the things I like more than you. God, if I'm honest, I've been treating you like a treasurer lately and not the treasure. God, I do want you, but man, I'm so sick of my actions falling short. And so God, would you draw me in this relationship, to a place I've never been? Would you bend my heart towards you in a way it's never been bent? And God, would you reprogram this thing and turn this ship around and let my will and my action issues be different? See, it's all, it's all about him. It's all based on him. And so, will you spend that time? For some of you, it's going to be a chore for a while, but then the duty becomes a delight. He will answer this prayer. You know, there's lots of prayers we pray. We prayed for tons of healing tonight. I don't know what of those things he's going to answer like we want him to, but I do know with all my heart that when you say, God, bend my heart towards you, that is a prayer that God will answer. One of my favorite verses in the Bible in Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, with all your heart. And so I know God's desire is for you and I to find him and to experience him. For some of us, we've just got to say, all right, I'm coming with all my heart. Let's pray.
God, I just pray that you would help us in this. This is a daily struggle for everyone, all of us, Lord. None of us gets off easy with this. Those shiny things in our lives love to grab our attention. Those distractions, some of them good. Some of them you gave us, God. Some of them bad. But God, we need you to bend our hearts towards you. We need you to work on our wills. God, you desire for us to want you more than anything. And God, I just pray you'll help every single one of us with that. And God, you desire for our actions to more and more look like Jesus' actions. And so would you transform our hearts and do this, Lord? If you're a Christian, would you pray about that? What do you struggle with? Is it the will? Or is it the actions? Or is it both? Could you take a few minutes and pray? And ask God to bend your heart toward him. Ask him to bend maybe your will toward him or bend your actions toward him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you heard me talk tonight about the grace of Jesus, about him dying on the cross, about salvation as a gift, about this relationship we get to have. And I'd love for you to put your trust in him tonight if you'd like to. And so if you'd want to do that, there's no magic prayer. That's a total God thing. He does that in your heart. But this is a way to start a conversation with him. So maybe pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that I'm welcome to come to you as I am. God, show me your love. Show me how real you are. Bend my heart towards you. Be at work in my will and my action issues. I thank you that closeness with God is the answer to my will and action issues. In your name.